Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Freezing Time with me, Sophia Money Coots, created by Offscript. It is um, a couple of days after my egg collection, Tuesday, having had egg collection on Sunday, and I thought it would be worth an update. I have bloated massively. I think I've bloated more post the collection than I did before, and I was frantically Googling this as ever. Looking on Dr. Google last night, really helpful. Wondering why I was the size of an oil tanker. And I found quite a lot of forums that said, yes, this is the case. That particularly with Ovitrel, which is the brand of trigger injection that I used, you can still be pretty bloated for up to a week or even two weeks, which is a slightly depressing thought. Because even though I'm in leggings, even some of my leggings are quite loose enough at the moment. So yeah, I'm pretty bloated. And actually, my sort of upper stomach was actually quite sore last night when I was lying on my back in bed it was quite painful and if I press it now actually if I press any of my stomach it's quite hard and sore and if I try and suck in my stomach I kind of can't it feels like I'm a bit full of air I think it's just fluid basically and I'm supposed to be drinking tons of water which I'm always really bad at so I'm desperately trying to drink water um to sort of flush me out a bit personal detail uh, I think I've had so much water retention that last night I actually peed six times during the night. That was quite full on. Basically about every hour and a half or so I seem to be getting up, waking up, needing to pee. So, I mean, I guess that's a good thing because it's all flooding out of me. But it didn't make for a very peaceful night's sleep. Hello, I'm Sophia Money Coots. I'm 35, single and freezing my eggs. In this podcast, I'm taking you through the story of my own egg freezing, as well as talking to experts and women who've gone through the treatment themselves. This is the 10th and last episode of the series, so if you're just joining us now, I really recommend going back to episode one so you can listen to the full story as it unfolded, which also means you'll understand some of the fertility jargon. In this episode, I continue to feel pretty grim after the operation, and I go back to the Lister Fertility Clinic to visit Dr. James and chat about why I got so many eggs and also to see them all tucked up in their tank. Immediately after my collection, I was psyched to have produced 22 eggs. But a few days later, I was quite surprised by how bad I still felt. Um, Yeah, so I still feel physically pretty gross and also definitely not totally there mentally. I've read and I've uh, various accounts and I've heard from friends that... You have your egg collection, you go home that day, you take it easy, lie on the sofa, and then you're sort of fine, back to normal the next day. That's certainly not true with me. I have come down to stay with my mum for a couple of nights because I definitely wouldn't be up to, you know, like normal life. If we were working in offices at the moment, there's no way I would have bounced back into an office. Um, I haven't, my steps for the past two days are probably around three. (laughs) And most of my steps will be steps to the loo. So, yeah, I think it's just worth bearing in mind that recovery isn't as easy as as it is for some people. I think this may be a side effect of having so many eggs collected, which is a good thing. Maybe it's the, you know, it's the price you have to pay if you get a lot of eggs. 
because you've had that many more follicles and you've been that swollen, basically. I think if you get fewer eggs, then maybe it's not so bad. But uh, yeah, currently I'm sort of lying on the sofa watching the old Pride and Prejudice with my mum for the 900th time uh, because I sort of don't feel like doing much else. I was still taking cabergolin as a precaution against ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, but I couldn't work out if it was those drugs or actual OHSS making me feel sick. So I called the lister to see what I could do about it. Oh, yes, it was just about, um, it's cabergolin. I've finished my antibiotics now. Yeah. I think they weren't making me feel great either. But um, I just wondered if I'm just so exhausted. And maybe that, you know, that happens anyway in a week after retrieval when there's been that many follicles. I just, it's so unusual for me to be this sort of whacked. And I still still feel sort of, I've got like a low level sort of nausea. Yeah, it's probably the cabergolin. Um, okay, oh, that's how you say it. <laughs> cabergolin. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It, the cabergolin side effect can make you feel really rotten, but then OHSS can make you feel for worse. much worse. <laughs> yeah. So my advice is if it's manageable, I would finish the course. Okay. Get eight days of the tablet. Where yeah. Now? Uh, it's fine. I've got today, Saturdays and Sundays then, so another three days. Oh, right, basically. you're nearly through it. Once yeah. you start taking them, you should start to feel better straight away. Okay. Um, your um, nausea will improve. Your uh, tiredness should improve. Unfortunately, I was advised to keep taking the drugs because although they were making me feel sick, OHSS might make me feel worse. In the end, I carried on swallowing them for a while longer, but checked in with producer Hannah a few days later with a guilty update. Um, and I came off the anti-hyperstimulation drugs actually two days early. Because by that point, I felt like I could... You know how you know your body, right? I just knew... I was all right, but it felt like these pills were making me feel so sick and lethargic. Yeah, well, because you, um, you ran clinic, didn't you, to check? I did bring this and they said, stay on them. So I was like, oh, right. So I did take one more that day. And then the next day, I... <laughs> the next day, I was actually going to some friends for a barbecue. And I just... It was like the first time that I was going to go out and be able to drink and, like, have fun without worrying about what... How much I'd have to drink, or if I had to worry about my eggs, etc. Mm. So I really wanted to feel all right for that, and so I stopped them that day. And then went. <laughs> it was one of those days we sort of started drinking at one, and I carried on drinking till one. So it was a solid twelve-hour drinking <laughs> session, and I felt so crap on Sunday. It served me right. It was it was also the sort of first proper hangover since lockdown, really, because yeah. we hadn't, you know, nobody's been out. So it made me sort of think on Sunday morning, Christ, I. Not even responsible enough to be thinking about having a baby if this is how I behave. Like <laughs> within seconds of being off the drugs, within seconds of finishing egg freezing, I'm behaving like a sort of student again. <laughs> so, yeah. So the whole of last week was a real write-off. Did you notice? Did did you like immediately feel better then? I mean, after the the hangover, did you notice that you did feel different, like from not taking those drugs? No. Right. So Saturday morning, I woke up. So that's six days after my retrieval, and I did wake up, and that was the first moment that I felt like a human being since the retrieval. Like I didn't feel sick, I didn't feel exhausted. So I think a lot of it was to do with the drugs, because by Saturday I had stopped taking them all. But I think you also just do have to allow for the fact that your body has been through a lot. Yeah. Um, and were you quite, were you feeling quite bloated as well or weak with all the extra water? Yes. I actually think I was more bloated after than I was before and more uncomfortable. I sort of, I didn't have that sort of hideous sense that I was carrying around two tennis balls in my abdomen, being my ovaries, mm. because 
the eggs have been taken out. But just my whole torso, actually, like my upper torso, that was pretty bloated and hard. But then by the weekend, but then by Saturday, yeah, I felt better again and I felt like me again. For the first time, really, in quite a few weeks, because by that point, that was five weeks after I'd started the nasal spray. So it's not a short process, mm. I would say, this whole thing. And and if you're someone who's going to have to potentially do it, you know, two or three times, two or three rounds of freezing, then that's, you know, it's asking a lot. Yeah, because technically you could have started again straight after the collection, couldn't you? Yeah, you can. I think doctors don't recommend it. They recommend okay. you do month on, month off. But I can see, I can see why women, you know, if you're up, if you feel like you're up against the clock age wise and you just want to get on with it and also it's an arduous process and you want to do it in the shortest time possible i can see why you do month back to back but equally i think you've got to give your body a rest so but you know the idea of me so i've now had what my retriever was nearly two weeks ago now the thought that in another week or so i'd have to start the whole thing up again is would be quite daunting i'm quite grateful i'm not to be honest yeah um so yeah and then the other excitement that happened two days ago was i got my period which i was quite nervous about because i just thought what is this going to be the world's worst period what is this going to be like and i think (laughs) i mean it's up there i think it might be sort of top (laughs) five (laughs) but in in my greatest hits i think it probably is in my top five worst periods um, oh, no. it's fine I mean I suppose in a sense did my body think because I produced 28 or 29 eggs did it think it was potentially going to be pregnant with 29 babies maybe that's what my uterus thought so it was busy yeah, trying to prepare itself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're going to have 29 babies that we need to feed for 9 months like some sort of Greek myth um, <laughs> so I'm quite relieved I'm not pregnant with 29 babies but um Oh, what a thought. So is that um, what yeah. you say, is it like a, just a really heavy period or is it like a sort of emotions like PMS and um, the whole, the whole do you package? Know what, emotions, emotions and PMS, yeah, yeah, the whole thing. Um, emotions and PMS haven't been bad, actually, which they normally are. I get chronic. In, in, the, in my early 30s, I started getting really bad PMT. This time, I don't actually, I didn't have that. I don't know if it's because my body is so delighted to be off all the hormones I was taking anyway. But I did have really bad, a couple of days before it started, I had really bad period pains, basically. So I was sort of waiting, thinking, oh, okay, it'll be today. And then it wasn't the next day. It'll be today. And it wasn't. And then, yeah, two days ago it started. And yeah, it's just sort of, yeah, sorry, the amount of blood. (laughs) It feels a lot more. And you always, do you remember all those articles in magazines? Like, oh, in actual fact, it's only like two teaspoons. Yeah. (laughs) And I just, it can't be the amount I'm producing at the moment. It's gallons, I think, that's going on this month. So it's really revolting. Again, because maybe my poor old womb panicked that it was going to have to feed all those babies. Um, so, yeah, the cramps. I've sort of been ingesting Nurofen, uh, like, sweeties and having baths and going to bed quite early. So I'll be delighted when this is over. And really, once this is over in a couple of days, I feel like, well, that's that's the whole thing done, isn't it, hopefully? And then my cycle just gets back to normal and there we go. I joked there that my womb would have to feed 29 babies. While the doctor at the Lister had told me I got 28 eggs, I'd subsequently got a letter saying it was 29. But there were still 22 in the freezer either way. And I should probably point out that it's technically the placenta that feeds the baby, not the womb. But hey, I never promised you guys I was any sort of medical doctor. 
And has um, has the lister been in touch with you or do they kind of expect you to get in touch if there's any problems? No, actually, I haven't had a peep out of them. I, I presume that's all right. I mean, maybe a follow up call would be a good thing. I think considering that they knew that you were at risk of OHSS, it's surprising to me that they've not followed up. Yeah, yeah, maybe that is. a Yeah. And oversight. I mean, I suppose because I rang them, I called them to check about the drugs. But yeah, I think maybe a bit of post-bedside care or TLC wouldn't be a bad thing. Maybe they will. Maybe they've, you know, maybe it's a two-week thing. Yeah. Rather than a one-week thing. Um, I'll see. But uh, no, I haven't, apart from that one call to the nurse to see if I could come off the hideous drugs, um, I haven't heard a peep. So, yeah. Interesting. Mm. Not sure how, not sure how impressed I am with that. Do you think? Yeah, I hadn't really considered it before. I might try and find out if other clinics do. It's a good point. You could just ring and check. Yeah. I mean, it feeds into the. It does. It does feed into the thing. I read something else this morning about how I read a piece by a woman who was saying how unethical the whole industry was, and it was just about like numbers through the doors, you know, taking the money and um, getting our eggs out. So yeah. it does speak to that a little bit. And when did you when did you pay? When did you do the full payment? Was that on the day of the collection? I still, I still haven't. I've got to do it. <laughs> really? <laughs> I keep talking about the fact about how expensive it was and I've spent nearly five grand. I actually haven't. It's a complete lie. I spoke to the accountants, I think the day afterwards, and they've given me the, the final, the total. It was all a bit confused because what happens is that you, there's the lump sum quoted, which I think at the lister is 3750 but then along the way, you pay for, you know, I pay for the nasal sprays when I first pick them up. So that was a couple of hundred quid for them. Then you pay for the Menopure when you pick up your first batch of Menopure. Then you pay for another box. And then you have to pay for the blood tests to done separately that you have every other day towards the end of the cycle. And then also there, are two, there were two COVID swabs on top of that, which I had to pay for. Oh, 85 quid each for the, for the um, joy of having a cotton bud shoved into your brain up your nose. So... That's annoying. Um, but they wouldn't have obviously operated on me without that. So so it's quite bitty, basically, is what I'm saying. Like, you're quoted this sum, but actually, you know, it's a lot more than that, really, with the drugs and everything else added on top. So I do, you know, to avoid the bailiffs, I do need to ring, <laughs> I do need to ring them and settle up. And actually, I keep putting it on my... Um, I have a daily to-do list that I write, and I keep putting pay lister. And then somehow it just <laughs> just gets bumped to the just bottom of my list. I just can't face. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow transferring over £4,000 to someone. Yeah. yeah. Although I suppose what's great is that I, I'm sort of happy to pay it because I, I was about to say we, like it was a joint process. Um, we got so many eggs, Hannah, because um, <laughs> I got so many eggs. So actually it feels like it's, you know, if I, it must, it would be very gutting if I got one egg. And I was like, oh, here you go. This is the most expensive egg I've ever paid for in my life. Actually, what does that work out? If it's four and like, let's call it four and a half grand divided by 22. About 200 quid per egg. That's very good. I couldn't have done that in my head. <laughs> yes, that is £205 each, basically. That is a pricey egg, isn't it? I promise I coughed up in the end. Honest. And anyway, if I hadn't paid up, Hannah and I wouldn't have been allowed back into the Lister a few weeks later for a debrief with Dr James about why I got so many eggs and to discuss what happened to me post-collection. Um, this is... Are you recording? This was really just... This was partly because... I've got so many more eggs than I yeah. thought. So I thought I was going to get 10. And in the end, I got 29, but seven of those weren't mature. Yeah. So we've got 22 are now in the lab, in the freezer. Why is that? Why did I get so many more? I think the, the two markers that we use to 
estimate how many eggs that we're likely to get are just that markers. Um, yeah. And they tend to correlate quite well with how people end up doing, but every cycle is different. Um, and you happen to have a cycle where you recruited lots of follicles from the stores um, and a really good proportion of those grew. And, and it maybe we did the same thing on the same ovaries with the same drugs too much later and we get a slightly different response. Oh, really? There, much, there, there is that. Much, yeah. and, and if we ever need to do it again, it, it may be the same again, but you do tend to get a little bit of variation. Okay. It just seemed like a lot. It was, you know, like three times as many. I mean, it's great. It's brilliant. I just... It's fab. I think all the, all the smaller follicles that often don't grow in the last few days, obviously between the last scan and the egg collection itself, grew a little bit more. And, yeah. and thankfully they gave us eggs, but more importantly, they gave us mature eggs that were viable. Right. So before, before I started this, I didn't realise that I thought the number of follicles you have that showed up on the scan, that was the number of follicles you had, period. I didn't, so you can grow more follicles. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a perception that, um, and we probably give you that perception a little bit because it's a simpler way of, of, of thinking it for us as well, mm. is that you recruit a certain number of follicles at the beginning of the cycle and that is it for that cycle. But it's a continuous treadmill. So there are, there's a continuous wave of follicles that appear. Okay. So more are getting to the point where they can begin to grow throughout the cycle. Okay. Is there any way that you can tell how a woman's going to respond to drugs? I just keep thinking about the number, the number being so different from what I got. Uh, the answer is, is yes. In that, what I probably showed you at the start was that graph of AMH level across the bottom, number of eggs across the side, mm. and it correlates beautifully. So normally that AMH is a pretty good marker of how you're going to respond, but there's always going to be variation there, right. and, and you happen to hit a map where you recruited loads of follicles, which so is great. So the top end of that yeah. variation. Yeah. That's interesting. It could be another month and could be radically different. Yeah, hopefully it wouldn't be, but yeah. we, have, we do see it. Yeah. Cool. So you're statistically a freak. Yeah, in a that's, way. That's a, little, yeah. a, little, a little bit harsh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A super freak. Freak anomaly. I do just feel very lucky because I don't know how many women you see who have who get that lucky. Yeah, I think uh, probably about 10% of women will get that many eggs. We were all masked up and distanced in Dr. James's office, so apologies if it sounds a bit rubbish. Now, little trigger warning here. This next part gets graphic, so skip it if you're squeamish. Right, so the technicalities of the operation. I just wanted to talk about that because I realised, having had it, I knew that you know, you talk about a needle going through the vaginal wall and then the needle sort of sucking the eggs out. I don't understand how, how this is going to be a really graphic, basic question, but how do you stick a needle through the vaginal wall without mad amounts of blood or how does that work? Because what, what happens is, we, as your ovaries get a little bit bigger, yeah. uh, they tend to just drop down nicely and sit just, just, just in front of the vaginal wall. Okay. So the needle goes through the vaginal wall which is relatively thin. Okay. And then what we do, um, usually they are sitting there, but if not with a bit of gravity or a bit of pressure on your tummy, yes. is push the ovaries down. So they're just sitting there literally. So as my needle goes through the vaginal wall, yeah. it goes straight into the ovary. But so then you've still got to maneuver the needle yeah. around. Yeah, and, and normally, so normally I go into one follicle, I put my foot on the pedal, the fluid gets sucked up through the tubing into the test tube with an egg in it. And then I just move it a little bit left or a little bit right as I scan you and the needle goes into the next follicle okay. and I'll just work my way around. Sometimes what happens though is as I move my needle, your ovaries want to run away. Yeah, fair and, enough. Um, <laughs> and sometimes we have to just get somebody just to press down the tummy a little bit, just to pin them in place. Okay, so if you've got a nurse, so you've got the needle that is, yeah. when you say put your foot on the pedal, what do you mean? There's a, so there's a little, like there's a hoover. A, yeah, there's a little foot pedal I put on the pedal <laughs> and it literally hoovers the, the fluid ah. up. Okay. So that and that hoovers the fluid and the egg out. Yes. 
But then are you scan is someone else scanning? No, I'm scanning. So you've got the scan probe mounted on the scan probe as a plastic needle guide. Yeah. And the needle passes up along there. So as I'm scanning, whatever I'm scanning, the needle is there. Oh, so the needle's on the scan? You're yeah, the needle's, on, the needle's attached to the scan probe. Wow, okay. Oh, so the, okay, so you haven't got things in both hands? No. <laughs> okay. Okay, that makes sense. Right, got it. All I'm saying is, I'm very glad I was under sedation for that bit. Blah. And while I was reeling from what Dr. James told me, Hannah jumped in as interviewer. How do you check that the eggs are mature when, when they come out? Do you just sort of look Great at them at signs or...? Yeah, you, you, you look at them and also you look, there's, a, there's a certain genetic process that happens where an egg um, expels a copy of the genetic material and you see that sort of polar body on the outside of the egg that confirms this egg is a mature egg wow. and you freeze it. And it takes not very long because I've been wheeled back from recovery and had to call from the embryologist in what, like 20 minutes or so. How long, between say my operation and them being frozen, how long, I mean it's a pretty quick process right? Yeah, I need to check with the lab because the processes and the protocols are always changing mm. but there's definitely um, evidence that with egg freezing you have to freeze them within a certain number of hours of the trigger injection. So if right. you have the trigger injection at 10, in theory your collection will be about 10 the next mo- morning after next. Mm-hmm. So we need to freeze them within an hour or two of that egg collection. Otherwise there's evidence that that impacts on success rate. That's amazing. Okay, so an hour from me to into the freezer. Having talked to him about the day itself, I was also keen to ask Dr. James about the after effects. I've read that it's quite common for most women to have mild OHSS after this. It's Is that not true? common. Um, okay. It's increasingly uncommon because some of the, the tools we have in our armory uh, to minimise the, the more significant versions of it. Um, early hyperstimulation is in response to the trigger injection you take to mature the eggs. Yeah. And it's usually self-limiting and it settles down four or five days after egg collection tends to peak then. Mm-hmm. The one that's more concerning is late hyperstimulation, which is in response to pregnancy hormone. Okay. And the problem with pregnancy hormone is, is if you're pregnant, hopefully your pregnancy hormone is going to go up and up and up yeah. and up. And you can't do much about that or to mitigate it. Okay. So that's when people can feel significantly bloated, significantly unwell. Yeah. The other vascular changes where you get fluid into your tummy and your chest can begin to happen. Yeah. That's the one that's more concerning. Early hyperstimulation, if it's there, as I say, tends to be milder and more self-limiting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then so you give patients, I was prescribed... Cabergolin. Cabergolin. Yes. Although they didn't actually have it here when I... They had the antibiotics I was prescribed, yeah. but they didn't have cabergolin. Is that usual? Because no, I had to go I've to a... never heard that before. Huh, okay. Because they, they, maybe because it was a Sunday, they, the nurse gave me a list of pharmacies. So I ended up having to go to the Edgware Road pharmacy and then back to Crystal Palace. You had a collection on a Sunday? Yeah. Okay, that's probably what it is because the pharmacy okay. shut and maybe the ward didn't stock it. Right. I was just so paranoid that I suddenly was... Freaking out, I got so many eggs, I was going to blow up like the Michelin man that night at home. So I needed to get, I got hysterical about needing no, to get and, the drugs. And the, what the cabergolin will do, it, the cabergolin won't, so from you, I think your, you had, your ovaries were big, so very yeah. mild hyperstimulation if at all. Yeah. What you, hopefully you didn't have because you settled down, was the issues with fluid in your tummy, the shortness yeah. of breath. And no. what the cabergolin does is it blocks a certain receptor mm-hmm. that's responsible for producing the horrible vascular factor that makes that happen. What's a vascular factor? Va- a vascular factor. Oh, vascular. It's a vascular growth fluid. factor. Yeah, it's a vascular growth factor that makes your blood vessels leaky and you lose fluid from your circulation into your tummy. Okay. And cabergolin stops that from happening. Right, so you just get bigger and bigger and bigger without. Okay. 
Um, already. And then how long do the effects of the operation, do certain effects last? Because for instance, my period this month was definitely eight, nine, ten days late, which is really unusual for me. There's, that- there's no reason for it really in theory. Okay. The first period after your egg collection can often be a little bit earlier because you haven't got a normal amount of progesterone supporting the lining of the womb. Right, okay. So often the first period after egg collection isn't the usual two weeks after ovulation. Right, no, that was all right for me, then. Yeah, but yeah. thereafter, the half-life of the drugs is pretty short, so they, sh- they should yeah. be out of your system. Oh. So most people go back into go back into sink. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes it, it may be that because of the effects of all the fluid, the follicles that had filled from the month before, the first half of your cycle you know, wasn't as efficient as normal. So it wasn't the usual two weeks to make the egg grow before you ovulate. Maybe that just took a little bit longer. Mm. So that could, in theory, happen. But it's pretty unusual. Okay. Most people just go back to normal. Um, and then um, I was wondering if we could just ask about kind of aftercare and like follow up and stuff as well. Immediately like, what afterwards. You normally, what, yeah, what you normally would do. Uh, yeah. So what do you guys it, it, in the immediate aftermath of the operation? It is interesting because what we've identified. There's been a big drive over the last year or so to look at your patient support policy. Okay. And most people after IVF, it's difficult for them because they've got that 10 day wait to find out if you're pregnant, but you will get information from the end of 10 days. Either mm-hmm. I'm pregnant, yay, we come up with a plan for them, or if they're not pregnant, we'll see them soon after to review, to plan right. what we do next. Yeah. What we've identified is that egg freezers actually fall into a little category where if you've done well, you may not contact us again, or yeah. you may not, there, may, there isn't that, that automatic follow-up plan that will they will know exactly what's going on mm. we used to send out a letter um, with all the details of the cycle um, that for various GTPR issues we stopped doing uh, okay. which we're going to actually restart doing and what we have also decided to do which I don't know if it happened with you because mm. it may not have happened at that point is one member of staff is going to basically just a quick courtesy call to everybody who's had a egg freezing three or four days later just to say is everything okay just in case there isn't that automatic point of contact that's a really good idea i think because it is quite odd having had such close contact for so long and then suddenly you're off and that's like oh and 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 it's hard for people who are trying to have a baby because they're monitored so much before recollection and then not a lot for 10 days but at least they've got that endpoint either way Mm. and and, and even if even a phone call just to reassure you that what you're feeling actually isn't abnormal right Um, and i think that i think there is that that extra piece that needs to be added Mm. or that we have added now yeah i think is key i'm not sure how many clinics do this but i think it would be a very good move because it did feel a bit odd to suddenly be out all done and dusted post-collection having gone to the lister so often in the weeks leading up to the operation so i was chatted to you before about embryos versus eggs and i had no idea if i'd known that i was gonna get 22 eggs i might have frozen some embryos, I think, but obviously it's a good thing. I didn't know, blah, blah. Do you think, I think it's very hard for you to say, is there any point in me doing another round and thinking about embryos or have I just got so many eggs that... Oh, that's a really good question. Um, There's no right or wrong in in theory, the more more options you have, all this is about choice. Mm -hmm. And the more choices you have in the future, the better. Mm -hmm. Um, But 22 eggs gives you a realistically pretty good chance of, of achieving success. At my age, yeah. yeah, so I'd be inclined not to do anything now, mm. like you know, physically, emotionally, financially. It's a, it's a, it's a lift. Yeah. Uh, so I'd be inclined to say, look, I've done really well. Yeah. Now, if in two or three years' time, um, the possibility of, of 
having a family mm. soon isn't there mm. then maybe you reassess that and say okay do I give myself another backup plan mm -hmm. that might be one way of doing it yeah that's a good thought okay I'm kind of delighted that I've got that tick there from you that I don't have to immediately start it all over again yeah thank you James right so if I come back in a couple of years and I've met someone on Hinge oh yeah what, what does it cost to thaw them and then fertilise them and implant so it's really a frozen transfer cycle um, in that physically for you it's a piece of cake all we do is we monitor your natural cycle see when you ovulate then time the thaw fertilization and transfer so oh, no, injections. no if you've got a regular cycle so every month you produce an egg you ovulate your lining of the womb is ready for an embryo to get you pregnant right. so all we do is we use that natural process so it's oh, really straightforward thinking i'd have to take progesterone yeah. like ivf and do all you, that you will you will belt and braces we give you a little bit of extra progesterone okay. but none of the injectables to make eggs grow because that's all done Wow. So it's yeah, much it more straightforward. So it's so two or three. Do again, just make the lining. Yeah, that just supports the lining that makes it more vascular and makes it more receptive to an embryo. Fine. You've probably got enough of your own in a natural cycle, okay. but we'll just top it up a little bit. Nice. Okay. So as a consequence, it's cheaper as well. Um, yeah. So the cost of a, a frozen yeah. transfer cycle. That's cheap, probably. No, the cost. Yeah, the cost <laughs> of a, the cost of a frozen transfer cycle is sixteen hundred and fifty pounds. Okay. The only frustrating thing is because frozen eggs the zone of the shell of the egg becomes a little bit thickened, you have to do ICSI. You have to inject the sperm into the egg. So that's about 1300 So, so ICSI, basically, when an egg is frozen, it develops a hard coating, right? Absolutely. And so normally, if correct me if I'm wrong, if a normally, naturally getting pregnant, this, any, a sperm can get straight into the egg, but because it's got this hard coating, you need to pick the sort of best sperm yeah, and perfect. drop it straight in. Yeah, perfect. So right. a, a normal IVF cycle, yeah. you... Um, get a sperm sample, concentrate the best ones together, leave several thousand around each egg overnight, yeah. allow an element of natural selection, right. and as you said, a little bit like a natural pregnancy, the sperm binds to the egg, worms its way in, does the job. Yeah. Because the shell is thicker, there's a concern that doesn't happen so well, right. so we have to look under the microscope, find the sperm that looks nice, and inject it directly into the egg. <laughs> find the most handsome one. Pretty much. The tallest, okay. Um, so all so you literally pick one with yeah. it, too? One per egg. Yeah, and it's about, so the total is about £3,000. Fine. So that is what I'd be facing if I come back to... That's if I come back with someone. Donor sperm, obviously, it's about another £1,000. It's exactly the same, and then depending on what sperm bank you use, yeah. it, it can be through a £400 a vial, it can be a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, okay. And that goes back to how many you thaw, because it's that per go. So if you're with a partner and you had a level of confidence, then you just, thaw them, you just do them all because it, save, it saves on two costs but so all these things come into play in the decision yeah making. okay so that, that so for three thousand pounds you could thaw i could thaw 22 or 11 yeah. doesn't make a difference yeah. okay right um okay so now if we go and see what are we going to see i imagine in the lab i'm not going to see um eggs tucked up in their duvets you're going to be really really disappointed <laughs> about the storage room it, it's just a converted office with big <laughs> canisters in it uh, but hopefully the lab will be a bit more interesting I sort of imagine it a bit like I've probably said this to you before Hannah I might have said it to you um, you know in Jurassic Park there's the baddie who tries to smuggle out the the D dinosaur yeah. DNA in the, in the foaming in the cream yeah. can is it at all like that? it's a little bit like that when we when, um, <laughs> when we transport egg sperm embryos out it's a little bloke with right. a canister yeah when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Dr. James told me I had seven straws with three eggs in, plus an eighth straw with one little solitary egg, making up 22 altogether. He also allowed us a quick peek into the lab where the freezing happens, which was properly cool. Once they're taken out of you, the eggs are put into what's technically called a culture media, basically a liquid that mimics your bodily environment. Then they're brought up to the lab and checked for maturity by looking for that polar body on the outside of it. The Lister's lab manager, Safira, told us all about this as we stood next to one of her colleagues who was working on embryos. And then another colleague walked past with a very sci-fi vat of dry ice cascading all over the place, which Hannah couldn't hide her excitement about. To take the cells off, work out if they're mature or not, and it's at that point we go ahead and freeze them. And what you saw there when I saw your eyes light up, that hissing and and the vapour coming off, that's liquid nitrogen. That's what we use to actually freeze the eggs. Mm -hmm. The eggs go through a series of um, solutions for the freezing process. And then what these solutions do is basically it takes the water out of the eggs, almost dehydrates them in order to freeze them. Is that vitrification? That's called vitrification. Right, so that's the relatively, well, the newer process that freezes them quicker. Exactly, so it's called flash flash freezing, basically. So the old system... It would take about two and a half hours to freeze the eggs and it's a really slow process of gradually cooling the eggs. With vitrification, you're literally putting them straight into liquid nitrogen, as the name suggests, flash freezing. So you literally put it through the solutions to dehydrate them and then straight into liquid nitrogen. The results are a lot better than slow freezing. And we put a maximum of three eggs per what we call straw. So the eggs are frozen on straws. Mm -hmm. Maximum of three eggs. If a patient has a lot of eggs, we try and do them in multiples of threes, twos and ones. Straight into liquid nitrogen and into the freezer. And there they are, sit quite happily forevermore. Ten years. There's no evidence, is there, whatsoever, that um, eggs deteriorate in liquid nitrogen. They're fine. They they haven't got a cell by day. There's no evidence at the moment. But what you have to bear in mind is IVF as a whole even though it's been around for 45, 50 years now, it's still classified as fairly new. Yeah, because Louise Brown, yeah. the first IVF baby, has only just had her first child. So I would say it's going to be another way beyond our lifetimes before we know the full implications of what happens to eggs and embryos beyond 10 years. So, that, so now it's in the freezers? So now, so basically, once Rena freezes that, she'll put them into the cassette, She'll then transfer it into one of those white buckets and through the back entrance of the lab, they'll go straight into the cryo lab. So I'll show you that now. After we'd made a nuisance of ourselves by loitering in the lab, Sophia took us through to the room where the eggs and embryos are stored. Straight through the back, in 
Seventy. Cryo storage. Oh, Caution. Liquid nitrogen. Oh lord. There we go. Oh my god, look. This is where. Oh, I see what he meant. Should I shut the door? No, no, it's fine. Oh, fine. Keep it open. I see what you meant when you said that you've um, commandeered an office. Yep, so we've got two cryo storage labs. One lab which accommodates all the eggs and embryos, and then there's another lab next door which has got all the sperm in there as well. So we've separated right. the two. So this is the egg lab. So this so is the eggs this is eggs and embryos. They can't so mingle. Basically, the eggs go into <gasps> tank. Oh my god. Tank <gasps> has This is like Jurassic Park. Tank has ten slots. Each slot can accommodate oh up to 30 patients, eggs or embryos. So that's and 10 times, so there's 300 Yeah. Patients. So each of these no. cassettes have a maximum of three straws. So for example, if you have eggs frozen and we freeze on six straws, you would have two of these cassettes. I think I have got, no, I've got eight straws. Yeah, so you'd probably have two or three of these cassettes in there. Wow. Okay. So your eggs are in this room? They My eggs are somewhere in here. Room. They wow, waiting. When did, you, when did you have them frozen? Um, very beginning of July. This year? Yeah. So they are very likely to be... <gasps> Do you know which one they'll be in? They will be in... They'll be in this tank here. <gasps> wow. Well, my mum would be delighted to know that I'm looking at my... Are they called tanks? Is tanks? tanks, tanks? Yeah. My tanks, so... Jewers. So my 22 eggs are somewhere in there. Just to describe what this is, I mean, they're about the size of... Um, they're like dustbins. I mean, that's not a very glamorous way of putting it, are they? But they are the sort of size of... Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. a black dustbin. It's that sort of rotund shape and height. Or like a beer keg. A beer keg a beer or a dustbin. Keg. I mean, <laughs> a bit more technical. But yeah, and there's sort of 17 of them, grey, cream and grey in this room. It's it's amazing. Oh, they look a bit like... What's that... Um thing in Star Wars, that creature. Do you know what I mean? C-3PO. C-3PO. <laughs> Don't they look like lots of little C-3PO's? Yeah, That's because it's more sciency on their wheels. Needless to say, we were both thinking of R2-D2, not C-3PO. I can only apologise to any Star Wars fans listening for the cock-up. Please don't send us cross emails. Anyway, I'm delighted to say there are plenty of safety precautions in the storage room to ensure the eggs are protected from getting mislabeled or damaged by, for example, a power cut or a fire. Well, so, okay, so that's the, is that the newest, bit 17? So I'm that's in bit the newest. 16. Look at that. That's the newest one. I'm not even sure we've started using that one yet. Is it um, possible to open up 16? You can, you can indeed. Just so I can put back to my mum that there we go. they're not like old marmalade jars. It's likely it's somewhere in here. in there. Wow. We're looking for SMC. If <laughs> SMC. Do you think that is the initial? No. Is that the people's initial? We do put the initials at the top. Oh, yeah. So no, we don't need to go through all of them. But your initial would be so at the top. There. So they will just wait here until I've come across someone on Hinge or, you know, sperm donor that I like. Mr. Right. Mr. Nearly Right, anyway. Wow. Well, that is amazing, Sophia. Thank you so much. I, um, I didn't think I'd be able to get that up close to them at all. I'm sort of imagining them all in there just chatting to each other. <laughs> Like sort of naughty school kids. So next so time you cool. see these, well, next well. time I see these, if I use them, it could be, well, I mean, well, I you probably won't see if them. If I, all, I wouldn't right? see them. So if I say I used these and it all went to plan, the next time I saw one of those could be a baby, which is completely mad and very wonderful. Um, who knows when that will be? But yeah, it's it's extraordinary. I was just thinking, so how many women's eggs or embryos might be in this room? Oh, several I would hundred. Say in, Several thousand. Several thousand. So yeah. think, in all these tanks, 
these are the hopes of like several thousand women or couples how could you sort of you know science is extraordinary that we can do this now as we left the storage room, Dr. James took us off Sophia's hands. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. That was really kind. All right, so we're going to take thank care. You. So were you really disappointed by, no. uh, by the, uh, by the, the storage opposite. room? No, like quite the opposite. I mean, the storage room is kind of hilarious because I know what you mean about it looking like a sort of office. It was. Probably. But the tanks are amazing. They're quite, they're quite nifty, aren't they? Yeah, and like we got to see mine. And it's... As we said goodbye to lovely Dr. James and left the Lister for the last time in, hopefully, a while, Hannah and I hovered on the steps of the hospital, both still elated at having seen some real behind-the-scenes science, which is potentially what a career in media does to you. Because the minute we got in, this woman kind of turned the corner with this enormous bucket yeah. of liquid nitrogen, steaming liquid nitrogen. <laughs> it, was like, it was like being a sort of dry ice, like an old-school disco with dry ice going, at, well, yeah, foam stuff going everywhere it was amazing that we were just allowed to be in there and observe all this going on and and i and it, I, it to, to them it's sort of very matter of fact right we talked to this embryologist who was sitting there testing this embryo about to freeze these three embryos but for whoever's embryos they were this is presumably like the most important scientific event in their life and i know from you know the girlfriends who've gone through ivf you are waiting for that phone call every day when this when this process is happening to know how your embryos are developing and to know how they are um, and to see that up close was a massive privilege really to see how that all works and to get to see the eggs so I'm really grateful to the hospital for letting us do that it's it's funny because I mean we're we're at like the end of our podcast journey now yeah but like and to me, it's kind of like, oh, well, we're wrapping up and this is the end. But actually, this is this is like very much the beginning. Yeah, that's of, a very good point. Of kind of, you know, potentially there being there being a baby one day. There could be a baby one day. There, um, exactly. That This is just the very first step of the most amazing process, potentially. And who, also, who knows? Because, you know, we've interviewed people for this podcast who, um, who got the same number of eggs, actually, as me, or fewer. Um, Alice got 14. And that didn't result in a baby. So... As we've always said, as all the doctors are very careful to say, it's not an insurance policy, there's no guarantee of a baby. But um, I hope, you know, if I come to use it, I've got enough that gives me a really good shot. And again, I come back to what Alice Mann said to me, which is she's still glad that she did freezing, even though it didn't result in a baby, because she could afford it and she would have kicked herself if she hadn't tried. And I think that would be the same with me if I... If, if I try to use them in a few years, if I can't get pregnant naturally, if I try, if I exhaust all the other ways of having a baby in a few years' time, but I hadn't frozen my eggs when I know I could have done, then I think, you know, you could potentially regret that all your life. Um, so again, I don't want to sound like I'm flogging egg freezing to everyone or I'm some kind of saviour, but I just think if if you're lucky enough to be able to do it, then it is a it's a worthwhile thing to at least consider. There is a sort of bit of a warm glow, I suppose, at seeing. Seeing them all tucked up in their in their beds in that funny old storage room. Incredibly freezing cold. Pants. Yeah, and they're absolutely freezing. I don't think I've stayed when I used to live in Scotland when I was a kid. I don't think even Scotland was as cold as that. But I think they're all right. They'll hopefully be all right. Um, and then you know maybe I'll start looking at sperm banks in a year or two. Yep, series two. Series two. <laughs> yeah. Having said that, I'm in no desperate rush for a freezing time series too. 
I'm very happy to have a break from the Lister, and poor Hannah is probably quite looking forward to a break from voice notes about my period. So I'm going to stop thinking about my ovaries and get on with life, albeit a corona-limited life, while I wait to see what my next step is. Thank you all for listening to Freezing Time, and a special thank you to anyone who's messaged or emailed me about it. Before it launched, I sort of had no idea if anyone would want to listen to it, but I've genuinely been blown away by the feedback, and I'm so grateful to everyone who's got in touch and talked about it. What I most wanted to do with this series was to help demystify and destigmatize egg freezing, and I hope I've encouraged anybody who's also going through it to feel less ashamed or embarrassed. I also want to thank all my brilliant guests for helping me on this journey. Ugh, that's the last time I'll say that word for the time being. But really, it's been unbelievably valuable to hear all their experiences and expertise, selfishly on a purely personal level, but also, I hope, for listeners. And I'm very grateful to them for sharing their stories and knowledge. If you've enjoyed this series or just found it helpful, please consider leaving a review for it on Apple Podcasts or sharing it on social media. Freezing Time was written and produced by Hannah Varrell and Sophia Money Coots and created by Offscript. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.